Hi, my name is Gary Myers. And I'm Joe Fontenot. And we're the hosts of the Answering the Call podcast. And this is the podcast where we talk to people who are answering God's call. Today, our guest is Ryan Rice. He talks about why he became a church planner, how he navigated a recent merger of churches, and the unexpected lessons he learned along the way. And so, here's Ryan. So, Ryan, how did you know you were supposed to be planting a church? You know, it's interesting because um, in 2007, um, and I'm almost ashamed to say this now, but it's funny, but in 2007... <laughs> Those are the good stories. Yeah. Please keep going. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first time I had ever really heard of church planting. Okay, so I had read the book of Acts many times. <laughs> I, you know, I knew about the Apostle Paul, like I knew all these things, but I was sitting in uh, Bible college mm-hmm. and uh, one of the classes was about uh, ecclesiology, you know, like mm-hmm. the study of church. And they started, started, started talking about church planning. And for whatever weird reason, I ne- it never dawned on me how churches began, you sure, know, yeah. because I'm like, hey, you know, yeah, you just always see the church there. They're there. Right. And uh, one of the professors teaching the class said, you know, every church, no matter how old it is, started as a church plant. And we start going through what church planting looked like in the Apostle Paul's life and, you know, all these things and raising up leaders and making disciples and multiplying. And as he started talking about this more and more, it was like it was almost as if a light kind of just started to come off in my heart. Like church planting is what God wanted me to do. And I couldn't escape it. it. Yeah, it was. It just was this thing that was not there, and then all of a sudden was there. Well, let me ask you this: When you were in Bible college, what was there before? Like, for instance, what did you? What was your trajectory? What were you planning? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because as I sat there, I was I was doing full time children's ministry, so I was a children's okay. pastor. Okay. And uh, in my mind, I just said, "Hey, look, I'm going to continue doing children's ministry. Uh, maybe just continue to just like work at the church, you know, do some type of other pastoral ministry." But that that was it. That was kind of the, I guess, the length that I saw yeah. <laughs> my life ending up. And as the whole kind of seed of church planting started being going to be planted in my heart, uh, it caused me two things. One, this kind of angst in my heart of really what God wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it was just this utter kind of confusion and not a bad confusion. It was a good confusion. It caused me to really uh, pray and seek God. And then I got my wife involved and I said, hey, we need to like fast and pray because mm-hmm. I'm really sensing God leading us somewhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what that is. So how long had you been married at this point? So we have been married uh, probably about four or five-ish years. Okay. Uh, so we have been married for a good little while sure. up to this point. Um, and we knew, we started sensing what God wanted us to do, that we should pray and fast and just really seek God's face and just, okay, God, what are we sensing? Because at this point, we didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the whole story of coming from really hearing clearly from the Lord to now church planning is an interesting one, but yeah. So, okay, well... How did you how did you get there then? Yeah, so um, my wife and I started praying and fasting together and just really praying and asking God the simple question, Lord, what do you want us to do? Uh-huh. God, where do you want us to go? Um, and, and all these very simple questions. And it, it seems like as if heaven had put on a like close for shop sign for us, you know? I mean, we would read the scripture and like, man, it was like nothing. You know, we pray like uh-huh. nothing. And it wasn't that we were looking for some like audible, you know, voice yeah. from heaven to say, now yeah. this is, you know, your call. We just wanted to get in. We just wanted to know like clearly, God, what do you want us to do? Yeah. 
Um, and what began to happen is and you just, weren't getting that. No, it was like yeah. nothing. It was nothing. It was no clear direction of what we were called to do. Um, and it was, uh, really, I remember it was a Monday morning. My wife will, for whatever reason was like really late for work that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was getting dressed and, uh, I was off that day mm-hmm. and I was up early and I was praying. Uh, and it was just this frustration that was there. And I never forget, I, I, I got on my knees on the side of the sofa and I prayed something that I hadn't prayed in months. Mm. And what I said was, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I completely surrender to whatever that call is. Mm. And I, I, for whatever reason, I just didn't pray that before. I just, you know, and it was just at that moment of complete surrender to mm. whatever his will was mm-hmm. and whatever he wanted. And all I can tell you, you know, you have those God moments in your mm. life. You know, they don't always like you know, these, these really like intense moments with the Lord. And all I can tell you, it was a, a burden that was not there all of a sudden just came up. And in my heart, it was just New Orleans. It was New Orleans. It was like, the, I, I began mm-hmm. to really uh, just sense like, man, this street that I hadn't been on in years and this park that, man, we could do this outreach there. And it's this immense burden began to really break in my heart for the city. So, so you grew up here. Yeah. But you weren't living here at the time. No. So at the time, we were in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, with no inclination of coming back to New Orleans. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the things I said when I left here and moved to Baton Rouge was like, hey, we'll be here for a couple of years, and then we'll move to where we really want to live. Right. A lot of people say that. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> and so um, I never wanted to come back to New Orleans. If somebody said, hey, you're going to go back to New Orleans and do anything, I said, no, I'll visit my, <laughs> I'll visit my grandmother, I'll visit my, my parents, but no, I'm not moving back there. And um, when I really began to get this sense of, hey, this is where I've been called to go to plant a church, um, I immediately jumped up off my knees. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 this is not, this can't be the Lord. Like, this must be something else. This is clearly Satan. This is clearly (laughs) the devil, yeah. This is clearly Satan (laughs) tripping me up, you know? And so I go knock on the door. Like, and I, knock, I don't know why I knocked on the door in my own bedroom, but I just did. I knocked on the door and my wife comes to the door and I said, you know, she's, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to tell you something. And I, I just want you to hear me out and see what you say. I said, I really believe God is calling us to move back to New Orleans to plant a church. And I, sh- I was waiting for her to say, nah, brother, <laughs> you have missed it. Like, you know, there's yes. no way. And she says the most spiritual thing like ever. She was like, you know. I've been praying and fasting with you. And she said, I know that's what God wants us to do. Wow. I said, man, why? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> why? You know? And I knew it was God, but it's, it's one of those things where, okay, do I, am I really going to surrender to this thing or am I really going to run away from it and, you know, go somewhere else? So, yeah, that that was, uh, <laughs> that's how we ended up with the, the reality that this is where we're supposed to be. Okay. So, so you're at this point. And you and your wife both realize that this is what God is calling us to yeah. do. And it's such a stark contrast to what yeah. you, the direction you had wanted and been moving in, that you really felt that it was right. How did you then make the jump to you are currently a pastor at a church? Sure. Doing, doing you know, pretty good. Um, the church is doing well. How, how did you go about getting there? Yeah. Like, what was your next step? So, yeah, that's a great question. I think that was some of the things I had to wrestle through because, you know, hey, I was here at this great church. Uh, I was doing children's ministry. I mean, it was great. You know, we had all these things going on. And um, at the at the current time, I said, you know, okay, Lord, um, 
what do we do next? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a big thing, you know, wrestling through what do we do? Is this now the time? Like, mm-hmm. is this the time we actually say, okay, we're done, let's pack up our stuff and go. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I immediately did is um, got with, uh, you know, one of the pastors or elders at our church, and we began to sit down and talk, and I just clearly said, hey, I really believe this is what God, you know, is calling mm-hmm. us to do. Like, what, what do you think? You know, what do you think? And, um, man, as we talked, he really affirmed what he, you know, say, hey, I really believe this is what God is calling you to do. I really see these things in your life, mm-hmm. you know, these character qualities of, you know, being a pastor and church planning and leading in that way. So that really gave me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. that this is what God wanted us to do. Um, and he, you know, he really gave us like the blessing of like, hey, you know, if, if you really feeling like this is where God wants you to go, then we're, we're going to be behind you 100 mm-hmm. percent. Um, which was great. You know, it was great. I want the blessing of our church and didn't want to leave out. Uh, and we weren't leaving like, oh, we're so mad or, hey, we got to do sure. our own thing. In fact, we didn't want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but one of the things we did as we began to pray and really uh, try to get some wisdom, uh, we felt like, you know, uh, right at that moment wasn't the time. Like, you know, we really felt like we needed uh, some more equipping, uh, some more training at that moment. And I really feel like in the providence and like kind of sovereignty of God, it was the best thing for us. Mm. Um, that we waited, uh, it would, waited probably almost about two or three years mm. before we completely stepped out and church planted. What do you think would have happened if you didn't wait? A couple of things. I feel like we would have immensely uh, failed, not because of not God's goodness. I feel like we didn't have uh, the mm. maturity yet mm. to deal with some of the things that were going to come our way. Mm. Uh, so I feel like we would have failed in a sense of... Um, Leadership wise, uh, maybe even in our marriage, mm-hmm. uh, because leading leading a ministry and leading a church is far different than being on a church staff. Yeah, uh, you know, on the church staff, you're so incubated and sheltered from everything. Mm-hmm. You think you know everything, and you think you can do it better than your pastor. You think you can do it, but you really can't, you know? Um, So I think we would have been ill-equipped. And then the third thing, um, at this juncture in our life, we didn't know anything about uh, the Sin Network, like SBC Mm -hmm. Life. Um, And so I believe God, in his wisdom and his wonderful goodness, kept us where we were until that right moment to step out. That's very interesting. So, so two, three years passed by. What was, what was your first steps then? Like, how did you, how did you actually start moving towards church planting? Yeah. So we knew we were gonna, we knew we were gonna plant. Uh, we knew that, uh, and so it was one of those things we continually prayed about. Uh, you know, even over that two, three year period, um, really putting in the groundwork of. Hey, what does this really look like? Uh, where, mm-hmm. where in the city would we go? Uh, and really wrestling through some of those things. It really wasn't until 2013 ish uh, that we really started getting serious because mm-hmm. we said, you know what, uh, we really feel like now is that moment. Mm-hmm. I can't quantify it and say, how did you know now is this moment? It was one of those things where I just knew um, at our current church, our time was really up. And Mm. and it was one of those things where uh, we came from a more non-denom, very kind of charismatic background. Uh, My theology really began to shift big time, Mm. Um, which was interesting because I was on a church staff that, you know, held a certain, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, nuances of different things. And so my theology shifted and all of a sudden I'm looking at, oh, I don't fit here. Ah, at all anymore. Interesting. So, so a place that you found so much comfort yeah. and acceptance before, sure. you begin to feel like you didn't fit there anymore. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. The biggest thing that happened in 2013 mm-hmm. was that uh, I just no longer fit. 
and it was no longer fit for me. And it wasn't out of conflict. It wasn't out of, hey, these are bad people. It's just, uh, you know, I, I just didn't fit theologically mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. Uh, which caused me to actually wrestle with, okay, what is this going to look like? Are you going to stay here and now just say, hey, I just don't agree with all the stuff that I see? Or are you going to actually go and do what God has called you to do? And so uh, we felt that was the moment. And um, one of the next steps we took w- was this, is that we knew percentage-wise, if you mm-hmm. plan it by yourself, mm-hmm. without any network, without any kind of domination or group, mm-hmm. uh, your percentages of failing were high. I mean, up in the 80 percentile mm-hmm. range. Uh, and there there were people we knew plan it by themselves. And, um, you know, it was give or take how they were going to mm-hmm. fare out. Uh, we knew we didn't want to be in that kind of wasteland of yeah. people. That's a rough rough ratio right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we didn't want to be in that wasteland of, hey, you're by yourself. You have no support. Uh, And really for us, it wasn't just the financial stuff. It was the the moral, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the support of having this group around you that's Mm -hmm. rallying you on. Um, We didn't know who that was, though, Mm. because remember, we're in like the wasteland of we don't know where we fit, you know, anymore. Um, And so we began to say, God, what does it look like? And so um, I did the most spiritual thing you could ever do, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting in my office one day, and um, I Google church planning New Orleans. You know, like who, you know, you Google sure. everything, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's all right. it's all I Googled church planning New Orleans, and the first thing that popped up was the Send Network. Uh-huh. So it popped up, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, there's a group that's targeting New Orleans, and yeah. man, they really want to go there and stuff. And and so I pulled it up. I read through his amazing, great website. It would look very young, very contemporary, very progressive. And I was like, man, this is awesome. So I read like, you know, some of the doctrinal statements. I was like, man, I line up with all this. This yeah. is amazing. So then I get to the bottom. It's like, yeah, this is like, you know, oh, the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Because, you know, I was like, ah, oh, you know, the background I came from is like, oh, man, these Baptist folks, like, man, they're dry. Like, they don't, sure. you know. yeah. So um, I was like, man, this is not for me at all. Uh, and I knew some of the history, too, you know, how, you know, the baptism yeah. started and stuff. Sure. So I just closed my laptop. And I was like, nah, yeah. all right, I got to find something else. Yeah. Um, but it just wouldn't leave me alone. I said, man, you know, and I opened back up the laptop, looked at the number, called Nam like immediately. And I said, hey, look, I don't know if I fit here, but tell me about it, you know? Yeah. How, how long had it elapsed since you closed it and you opened it back up and you called the number? Man, about two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this, this may be like uh, some direction from the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I called, um, talked to a guy there, Tim Wolf, never forget uh, who I talked to. And he said, man, you should meet this guy, George Ross. Like, you know... He's like the sin missionary in New Orleans, and I think you really kind of hit it off with him. And, um, yeah, we called, and the rest is really kind of history from there. That's interesting. So you connected with George, who was on the podcast already. Yeah. And um, connected with George. And how did you actually – because you you are currently the pastor of Connect Church in Algiers, which yeah. is on the West Bank of New Orleans, but it's still part of New Orleans there. You're currently the pastor of this, but it did not start as Connect Church. Right. Matter of fact, it started as a plant. Yes. Right? So so you had something interesting. You had a plant that merged with another church. Mm-hmm. So you kind of had like this double whammy thing going on. Yeah. Um, how did you get to the point of actually starting a church? What did that look like? Yeah. So um, 
after connecting with uh, George, uh, we became kind of fast friends, mm-hmm. just really connected, um, and uh, went through the process of being assessed, you know, by NAM and mm-hmm. uh, working through all, all their assessments and, and all those things. Um, and really, we moved down uh, to the city um, and did uh, church planning apprenticeship, which okay. helped tremendously. So literally for a year, we were part of another church here in the city. Uh, we were part of Vintage uh, for a year, mm-hmm. did the church planning apprenticeship there, which gave me a whole year to just work on, hey, what does it look like for us and our vision, our mission? Mm-hmm. Um, we did a lot of groundwork uh, on, our, on, the side of the, on our side of the river. So meeting with people, connecting with people, like all those good things. And um, after we did this apprenticeship, uh, which was great at Vintage, mm-hmm. it gave us opportunity to be really sent out again, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, on that side of the river uh, to start a new church. And so uh, one of the first things we did, were, we connected with people we knew uh, already in the city, connected with them. Uh, and then we started connecting with people that we didn't know, uh, mm-hmm. folks who we knew weren't uh, yet uh, believers, um, and really um, fostering those relationships. We did something that was a little different. Uh, we parachuted in. Now, mm. what that means is, is that we didn't come down with a team. Mm. So our team was essentially myself, my wife, uh, and our three kids at the time. Mm. Um, now, the reason we di- did that, now, this is not everyone's story. I'm not saying you know mm-hmm. everyone should do this, but uh, because of the church we were leaving from, it wasn't really like we had anybody to take with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really stepping out on not only faith, but the idea of, hey, okay, God, uh, we got to read some people, and we have to start literally from scratch. And that's what we did. Started from scratch, just reaching people. First Sunday, how many people showed up? Yeah, so our strategy was this. We, we, we had a, a strategy we set up was this. We uh, started off, we, we essentially did this. We connected with the people, uh, and then we tried to, the people we connected with, build relationship with, and then funnel them to be a part of now this new church plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which wasn't started at the time. So about six to seven months before we did our first kind of initial soft launch, uh, that was the whole thing. We did uh, outreach here, uh, fellowship kind of thing here, connecting with people, and then push them through. Um, so when we got to about August, before we were going to start in January mm-hmm. of 2015, um, we uh, did once a month services. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing in our context, where we were, uh, where we are in Algiers, it was hard to get people to come to like your house for a Bible study mm-hmm. because contextually it was just weird for people. You know, they're like, wait, are you a cult? Are you like, <laughs> you know, like, who are you? But people were cool coming to like a coffee shop, uh, you know, safe, s- safe. It's open, you know, and that's what people did. We just were meeting at a coffee shop, coffee, small Bible study, that kind of thing. Um, Did an outreach here and there. Uh, And some of these folks were not believers yet. So, Mm. you know, just kind of journeying with us. And so we started these once a month, like, worship gatherings. Mm -hmm. Maybe about 10 people, maybe about 15 people. Uh, But every month it would just kind of grow. So, you know, you get maybe 15 one month, you know, maybe 20 the next. Maybe you kind of hover around there. Uh, so by the time we got to January, uh, we probably had about 25 or so some of our folks. So it's still small, mm-hmm. you know, still small, 25 some of our folks uh, meeting uh, really every week uh, mm-hmm. at a YMCA. Um, mm-hmm. And so YMCA had child care that we, area we could use, uh, gathering with folks. And we really just started from there, uh, mm-hmm. just meeting and gathering 25, 30 people uh, every Sunday. So what were you doing in between, like whether it was once a month or once a week, what were you doing in between? Yeah. You know, before you had like a building and this sure. kind of staff structure and all that kind of stuff. What were yeah. you doing? 
A lot of it was uh, connecting with people. I mean, a lot of it was connecting with people. Relationships. We knew moving back home, New Orleans is such a relational city. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the question people ask all the time, what high school you went to? Yes. You know, like, who's your mom in them? You know, especially like in our neighborhood, it's like, oh, what street you grew up on? You know, yeah. who's your mom? Who's your grandmother? So we knew building relationships was a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, so we built a lot of relationships, a lot of people over to our home. Uh, of course, leading our Bible study that we did, that was a big one as well. Uh, and then gearing up people to actually do some type of outreach to other mm. people. You know, we uh, we were actually uh, chaplains at an apartment complex mm. uh, by living in there, There's a Christian group that owns an apartment complex in our neighborhood. Mm. No kidding. So we moved there, uh, became kind of the chaplains there, uh, mm-hmm. loving on people. And so uh, we had this apartment ministry going on as mm-hmm. well. What we did, uh, man, parenting classes and financial mm-hmm. empowerment stuff kind of there, outreaches there every month. So mm-hmm. this was a, a, another way for us mm-hmm. to infuse the culture of what we wanted to see in our church and the people we were reaching as well. What, what were the type of people um, there are, in my experience, I, I grew up here as well, there, you could categorize New Orleans into two different kinds of people. There are the kind of people that grew here, grew yep. up here all their life, mm. and they will be here all their life. Yep. And then there are the kind of people that just came in for business five, mm-hmm. seven years, something like that. And they're going, what? First of all, do you think that's kind of an accurate for what you saw? And then second of all, what kind of person did you find yourself talking to? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and you could tell you grew up here because that's accurate. <laughs> no, that's that's completely accurate. I think that's the makeup of our city now, even more so, is that you have the native, and then you have the person that is either transplanting in mm-hmm. and has been here for a little while. Um, for us, we were reaching mostly just native New mm-hmm. Orleans or native folks who lived in Algiers most of their life, mm-hmm. and that's that was the biggest thing we started off with. It's I like, think that would be hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because one of the things you run into is that, okay, a person who's a native, has lived here all their life, mm-hmm. uh, They come, let's say they come to faith in Christ, or they were a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. For them, community is always hard mm-hmm. because when you have, as we like to say, mama in them, you know, grandmama, you know, that kind of thing, it's like, well, why do I really need this other family? Yeah. You know, why do I need this church family? I'm good. Community's already strong in New Orleans. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which which made it difficult, the idea of doing groups and mm-hmm. all those kind of things, because I don't really need this. I already have right. this structure. Right. So, yeah, that is the barrier to break through. And then the trust barrier, too, mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, can I really trust you? Mm-hmm. Because uh, will you be here one minute and then go on the next? So, yeah, those two things were, like, really difficult. and still are a mm-hmm. difficult thing, especially when you reach people from here. Um, did you ever have any doubts along the way as far as like, you know, God called you to this, your wife was on the same page and then you had this several years where you're paused and then you started moving forward when you connected with Nam, and then you're down here, you're planning this church, you have this six month period that you just talked about. Were there any like significant doubts along the way? Yeah. You know, um, I, well, let's see, I can't pick just one, but yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, Yeah, you know, um, I think church planning is, it's this tension between faith and doubt that you have because Mm -hmm. it's all this walk of faith. Mm -hmm. And it's not a blind faith. It's not like you come into this thing without any type of plan, but it's it's all trusting in this Mm -hmm. God who you're trusting and believing in that he wants to save people, Mm -hmm. that he's called you here. 
But then, you know, when you come up to the idea of, man, how, how are we going to, how is this going to be provided for? Mm-hmm. You know, how's your family going to be provided for? Uh, you know, uh, will people come? Will you reach people? Um, you know, most pastors have that Monday morning kind of slump. Uh, for church planners, uh, it, it doesn't just happen on Monday. It can happen on Wednesday, Thursday. It can happen actually during the church service on Sunday. <laughs> you, you sound like you're speaking from experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can get up there and you've just ministered to somebody the whole week and you're poured into them and you're like, man, disciple or trying to bring them to a place of discipleship. And then you look out in the room and you're like, man, like nobody's here. <laughs> and, you know, your whole you know, everything's deflated, you know, yeah. and. The question then comes, will you continue on despite what you see? Mm. And that's hard. It's hard. It it has to be this not only idea of the calling, but the intestinal fortitude to say, um, I'm going to continue to press on despite what I feel. Because feeling, that's the biggest thing you're going to wrestle with. It's uh, It's almost not anything else. It's the emotional toll. It takes on you mentally, spiritually, and um, there's a lot of guys who are well, I mean, high-level, top-quality guys that are well-equipped to probably lead any type of church. But when you get down to church planning, like, it's the intestinal fortitude that you need to really mm-hmm. say, it's, it's a courage that mm-hmm. you have to have to say, I'm going to plow. Did you have that courage before you knew that God wanted you to be a church planner? Um, I would say before, No. No, I would say it was something that God began to really develop in me um, throughout the process of, um, I think some of it developed in the process of actually planning. It's one of those things where I would say this, if I would have known all the things we'd have to walk through, Mm -hmm. although, yeah, you read the books and you go through training and and they tell you this. It's all there. It is. It's nothing is hidden. Yeah. If I would have really known, I don't know if I would have said, yeah. Because it would have been like, man, like, really? Like, for real? Like, you know, it's like Jesus, clearly laying out for the disciples. John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> but take heart, you know? And he's telling them plainly. Yeah. But it's something when God really calls you to something, you just say, okay, God, despite what may come. Mm-hmm. And I think it's God developing that faith as you walk through. And then you see God's provision, though. Mm-hmm. That's what builds up the courage. You know, it builds up the courage. When you see God come through on certain instances. You see somebody come to faith in Christ that you didn't think was going to like be saved. Or, you know, when you have provision from like a church partner may come through, all these things just build up your mm-hmm. courage um, to just continue to go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You told me, we, we were talking the other day, you told me about this outreach event that you had several hundred people, like sure. four or 500 people. Yeah. And then you had another one recently and it was only about 300 people, only about 300 yeah. people, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, this was in the context of the church merger. So mm. before this, right, you had had um, Life Church, which was your church plant. Sure. You merged with another church, mm-hmm. and then you're seeing these things happen. I want to hear about some of that. And you told me this this very um, interesting story about this reflection from a person who was there from before. Yeah. But before we get there. How did you come to the point of knowing that you were going to need a merge? How did that yeah. come about? You know, it was interesting. Um, I had a conversation. I was talking to another pastor um, before all this kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about the context in New Orleans and uh, what I had seen. And, and one of the things we got on the conversation was that uh, buildings and property were a big thing here in the city. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. give you a quick story. 
when we were uh, just church playing and meeting in the school, because we moved around a lot, which is common in church mm-hmm. playing, you know. Uh, we were meeting at a school. Uh, a guy came to visit the, 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 the church, right, meeting in school, and uh, we did follow-up, immediate follow-up that Sunday evening. Hey, brother, thanks so much for visiting. We're so glad that you came. And he was like, yeah, I really enjoyed the service. And so he said, well, where do you guys really meet? I said, well, yeah, we meet in the school. Like, you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, did you not just come yeah. to the church service? You know, he was like, well, no, where do y'all really meet? I was like, well, no, we actually meet in the school. He said, oh, okay, well, when you guys actually really meet somewhere, then I'll come. And you begin to talk about that context of how people equate the building with the church, you know, like yeah. that, that is it, you know, and I think part of that is because of the Catholic influence here, sure. you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we had this conversation where we were talking about the idea of a church plant uh, merging with another church would be, man, fantastic because you'd be able to merge and man, you have now property, you could do a lot more things. I said, man, y'all, that'd be, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So he makes a comment, he said, well, we should start praying for that. We should start praying that God would open up the door for you to partner or merge with another church and be able to move forward. I don't think, yeah, that, that'd be great. You know, yeah, and I, sure. of course, in my radar, I'm like, all right, brother, like, I don't see that happening, right. you know, but you know, hey, we prayed sure. and, and whatever. Literally two weeks later is when the whole process started Wow. with this. You know, it was one of those God things, you know, and, yeah. you know, I had no idea this was in the process of happening. You know, I had yeah. no idea. And it's just, you know, so, um, we're beginning to happen. Uh, one conversation, one phone call. Hey, you want to have lunch um, with uh, one of the guys who's uh, the pastor at the time at the church? And we sat down. He began explaining the situation of the church and where they were, and that he was going to be leaving. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Hey, I've brought up to the body uh, mm-hmm. and the deacons specifically about uh, the possibility that they should look at uh, merging with a church plant." Now, how many people? Where are we talking about there at this other church? Yeah, so uh, from from his uh, point of view, it was about thirty some more people okay. that were left. So about thirty some more people. Okay. Um, now you know, of course, you look at the roles. Probably, oh, yeah. yeah, billions, billions, right? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, on a given Sunday, probably was less, a little less than that. You know, okay. so um, the church itself, um, very, I mean, loving people, very sweet, sweet people. I mean, man, just. You know, just what you would picture in a part of an older church. Uh, the thing was that they they were older, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, church started as a church plant back in the fifties, mm-hmm. uh, right out of Calvary Baptist. Um, had its heyday. I mean, eight hundred to a thousand people. Mm-hmm. I remember this church. Yeah, growing up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you were right over there, and so um, but just hit that decline over yeah. the past, you know, fifteen, sixteen years, and had gotten to this point of mm-hmm. what do we do? Yeah. You know, what do we do? With this massive building and 30 people, yeah. essentially. Yeah, Sunday. exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't that uh, the people were bad or that they didn't love God or anything. It was just that they found them, they found themselves in a situation that a lot of churches do. is mm-hmm. like, wow, how do we get here? Mm-hmm. And what do we do? And, and how do we turn this mm-hmm. boat around? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how long did the merger take? You know, it was interesting because when this initial conversation happened, um, I said, wow, you know, wow, that's all I could really say, you know, wow. And it was, you know, one lunch meeting, then another, um, then met with the person who was the chairman of deacons at that time, him and his wife. Uh, we had another lunch meeting and, and talked about, you know, hey, what, and I didn't know he had been listening to this, my sermons and, and all this kind of stuff and kind of started feeling around to the church and um, I remember going and talking to uh, our team, our leadership team, and I told them flat out, I said, I don't want to do this at all. I told them, I said, hey, I, I just, 
looking at the building and what this looks like, I said, no. I said, we're good. Like, we're good. Like, you know, we will continue to meet where we are, you know. And at this time, we really started to see some growth, you know. How many people were you seeing at your, on your side? Man, we were probably averaging about 45, 50. Okay. Yeah. And so so why didn't you want to? What, why, what was behind the no? The no was... Just too I, big of a headache? Yeah. I, all I pictured was this, was the headache of a building the headache of what this will look like, you know, inheriting like people. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing. The, 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 the thing church planners hold to the most is that there's less drama with a church plant than there is with like, hey, something like this, yeah. which is so not true. <laughs> <laughs> which is so not true because you're still dealing with the same people. It's yeah. just a different type of person you're dealing yeah. with, you know. Uh, on our end, we had mostly like new believers, you know, yeah. or, or people who were like de-churched and they, they started coming back. It was still the same type of drama, sure, but just on a different scale. Sure. So yeah, for me, it was a lot of fear of, can I really handle this? Mm. Can we really handle this? Um, you know, I was like, man, we've only been going, you know, for a couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, about two, three years, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, God had placed some godly folks around us, and so we had our, our leadership team that was a part of our church, and then we had our church partners who kind of lended some leadership to us as well. And our church team was like, oh, no, Pastor Ryan, we got to do it. Like, this is God. I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and then talking to, like, our church partners and different ones, they're like, man, this is God. Like, you know, you got to take this. You know, this is the Lord, like, opening the door. It took some praying for me, you know, because it was a fear. Mm-hmm. It was a fear of what if, what could happen. And uh, it took really the Lord just kind of, um, I think this is what happened. We had an initial meeting with the church. Mm-hmm. And I read a book before this by Mark Clifton uh, called Reclaiming Glory. Mm-hmm. It's all about revitalization and uh, replanting. And one of the things he said in the book was the idea of, you know, how it, it, it doesn't give any glory to God to see a church completely die, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, in the sense of, man, these churches are closing and dying. And, uh, and, and the beauty of what replanting could really look like. Mm-hmm. And that's when my heart really began to shift. And then when I saw... Uh, the folks that were there who really were without a shepherd. Mm. I mean, they were without a shepherd. And these were like, you know, 70, 80-year-olds, you know, some 50, some 60-year-olds. And it's just like, I just love these people, you know, from the moment I sat down. Mm. And I said, wow, God, this is not about a building. This is about a people. Mm. And that's when it really turned for me. Clicked. Yeah. So about how much... And I know numbers aren't everything, but for perspective, about how much do you average on a Sunday now? So if you go back to a year ago, um, you know, we're just coming in where we were, where Mm -hmm. they were. Uh, Now we average about 140, 145 on a Sunday. And so, you know, we see God just really kind of extending that. Um, You know, we have some Sundays where it's, you know, 177, 178, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. You know, a couple Sundays ago, we were at 179, which is, you know, (laughs) great, you know. Um, And so it's really the the pressing of... um, you know, our goal now is really see that 200 barrier kind of broken. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have so much potential with the space and all these kind of things. And so. So so here's a question. Um, this other church that you merged with was on a downward trajectory. Sure. People were leaving until yeah. they got down to 30. Yours was on an upward trajectory before. Yeah. But it took, what, like two or three years sure. to get up to like 45 people. Yeah. So then you take 45 Plus thirty is seventy. Yeah, and now a year later, yeah, you've got like a hundred and seventy, one hundred and forty, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Yeah, what changed? Why did why did more people start coming? 
You know, uh, when we initially did the merger, which happened really fast, uh, I mean, it, it took, you know, maybe not even two months for us to come together. Um, no and Easter Sunday of, uh, you, know, 20, uh, you know, 2017 is when we had our first combined service. Um, I think one of the things that happened is a couple of different things. We continue to do what we were doing before, which was outreach. Uh, that's, that's just like my wheelhouse. Just, you know, hey, let's do outreach. Let's do big outreaches. Let's do small outreaches. Um, but I think what happened, I think for us, was we have this multi-ethnic, multi-generational church now mm. that, um, you know, you don't see often all the time, mm-hmm. but you do see now. Um, so I, I think it's a couple of different things. One um, is the idea of, hey, we exist for the community, not the community for us. That's mm. just a mindset we always have tried to just kind of say, hey, we put in there. Mark Clifton talks that, about that a lot in his book. Um, we've tried to reclaim like the gospel message, like just, hey, the centrality of Christ and here's the gospel and really just being majoring on that, you know, holistically for our church. So I think as the outreach has made a difference, um, I think the the idea of this community that looks different than what people are maybe used to, mm-hmm. um, which has been a blessing, but also a challenge as well. We've had people come on a Sunday on both sides, you know, African-American, white, you know, you know, on both sides mm-hmm. and they say, hey, this is not my cup of tea. <laughs> and they'll tell you that up front, you know, oh, you know, it's not my cup of tea. It's like, well, what is it? You know, it's, they'll say, oh, it's the music, but it's really not the music. You know what it is, you know. Um, but that's been a blessing for us as well um, is the outreach, the community that we see. Uh, and I think the reality of the life of seeing people baptized mm. and come to faith in Christ. So, look, the first our, our first Sunday. Mm-hmm together as a church. Now, keep in mind, like, you know, this baptism pool had been used in, in a little while. Right. And we had, I think, we had about eight people, seven or eight people get baptized that first Sunday. Wow. And, you know, for some of those folks who were there, I was like, man, like, like, wow. Yeah. Like, this is the real deal, you know? And I think that's been one of those things where you see people get yeah. baptized. And, you know, um, the past couple of baptisms we've just done outside. So some of the older folks are like, man, why are we doing outside? Well, why are we not using, like, the, the tank inside? And I said, look, what a great profession of faith to our community as all our churches are standing outside and people are driving by. And they're like, man, what are those people doing? Mm-hmm. And these people are standing there making their public profession of their faith in front of the whole community and saying, hey, I'm following Jesus now. Outside. Outside. That's really cool. Yeah. Where where it was seemed to be very internal, now yeah. we're like, hey, we're external yeah. for the glory of God. Has there been any time since you've done this merger in the last year or something where you've felt um, discouraged? Mm. Where, you're <laughs> yeah. out, where you've looked at outreach, which sure. is a passion of yours, and you've thought... This should be better. Or, yeah. yeah, you know, I think um, you know that discouragement piece, man, is is a tough thing because um, you know you, man, you, you hit those bumps, you know, in the road. Whether it's a conflict that's going on, you know, in the church, that you're like, man, why in the world are we arguing about this little small thing, you know, uh, or where you feel like you're not where you really, you know, want to be. You know, one of the conversations we had the other day with our team was. You know, it's great, man, we've been doing these outreaches and we're reaching like hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, this year alone, I mean, it's probably, you know, from the outreach we've done, you know, thousands or so people we mm-hmm. reach, you know. But you don't always see the return in mm-hmm. the sense of folks coming to the church, you know. Uh, you see some people come, but you don't always see that. And, uh, you know, you can look at that and, man, you know, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. Um, I think some of the biggest discouragements come, uh, for me personally, is feeling the inadequacy of leading. Leading. Mm. 
um, not really feeling always adequate enough to to lead, you know, the church or feeling completely overwhelmed of mm-hmm. like, hey, you not only have to be the pastor, you know, you not only have to, you know, put together like, you know, well-crafted sermons, you got to make sure the finances, you know, you got to work yeah. with this person with finances, you got to work with this on outreach. And so, uh, yeah, you have those moments where you feel like, Lord, um, should I just throw in the towel, you know? But then, you know, God in his grace and his mercy, you know, encourages you mm. to continue on. And, you know, I think Dr. Uh, Bo Rice, who was saying um, one of the things, you know you're called to a place when you want to quit, but you just don't. Mm. You just keep going, you know. And it's not this yeah. uh, plowing of, like, uh, disregarding your own health or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's just this, uh, this trusting in the Lord that, you know, God can do uh, what you can't, you know. This has been very interesting. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Ryan. This is uh, very insightful. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks.